On Wednesday, August 19th, the Oklahoma County Commissioners held a meeting following weeks of public outcry over a proposal to provide $34 million in CARES Act funding to the county jail for COVID-19 expenses. Commissioner Kevin Calvey began the meeting, joined by Commissioner Brian Mond. Commissioner Carrie Bloomert, who was known to object to the proposal, was on her way into the meeting room when the vote was cast before she could take her seat. Public comment was also denied on the issue, but citizens who were at the meeting expressed their disapproval anyway. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder, and in this episode of Listen Frontier, we take a closer look at the recent turmoil among the Oklahoma County Commissioners, the county's dilapidated jail, and what the debate over federal relief funds means for county government and its local detention center. County Commissioner Carrie Bloomer joins us to discuss the recent developments, her thoughts on the rushed vote, and where things go from here. Like many other local government entities, Oklahoma County received federal relief funds in response to the economic downturn caused by the coronavirus pandemic. Various proposals were made for the use of those funds, including by Commissioner Bloomert, who suggested some of the money be spent on programs like nonprofit loans, medical expenses, and education. Commissioner Calvey wanted the majority of the funds to go to the county jail trust. Public comments have not been allowed since the start of the COVID-19 pandemic, but dozens of demonstrators have showed up at recent commission and jail trust meetings to advocate for the money to be spent on other programs, while also pushing for reforms at the jail, which has been plagued by escapes, bed bugs, overcrowding, and other issues that has made it one of the most dangerous jails in the nation. Following Wednesday's vote to give the majority of federal relief funds to the county jail trust, Commissioner Calvey, who did not respond to an invitation to come on this podcast, addressed some members of the media about why he rushed through the vote. He starts by answering a question about why not spend some of the money on other programs and areas of need. As far as the other things that were proposed for this money, other government entities are already doing those things, already doing it with uh, Federal CARES Act funds, and they have a lot more than we do. The state has 25 times the amount that the county does. They're already doing those programs. So this, you know, the alternative would be simply duplicating the efforts of what other government entities are already doing. And I will say this, I don't give in to bullies. And I don't give in to, I don't pay hush money to bullies, especially not with taxpayer dollars. So I'm not going to give those bullies the money they want. 
Why didn't period. you wait until Commissioner Bloomer was sat down to call the vote? It just seemed like it happened so fast. Well, it was nine o'clock. Uh, one thing is a number of our staff here at the county have been traumatized by the you know disruptions and things like that that have gone on. I'm hearing from you know a fair number of county employees on that. Uh, and uh, for them, our sheriff's deputies, etc., you know, we want to work expeditiously. So I started the meeting at nine when it was posted. Her representative said that he didn't even have time to vote. Um, what do you have to say about that? No, he had plenty of time to vote. I mean, I, I held it open. I didn't close the vote till he had, you know, quite a bit of time to vote. But it seemed like it just seemed like it happened within like 90 seconds total. No discussion from commissioners, or no, it just seemed like it happened so fast. <laughs> No, it happened in ample time. It's the usual way we vote on them. All right, Ben Felder with the Frontier here. I'm joined by my colleague, Brianna Bailey. Brianna, we're in the Frontier West, I guess it is, right? Our Oklahoma City office. Our uh, fancy podcast studio, not available, so we scrambled at the last moment. So you may hear some cars in the street next door and maybe some of the offices next door. Uh, but we are also joined by Commissioner Carrie Bloomer. Commissioner Bloomer, thanks so much for your time. Thank you for having me. I'm excited. So my first question, and I actually, I think... You've answered this question like many times because I've seen you talk to some me. I was, saw you did a spot for a TV station. This was going to be my question. And I asked it. I'll just ask it again. Like, what happened on Wednesday? Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it was a lot of series of events that led up to Wednesday. I, I think that was yesterday. Um, I, yeah. The days all run together right now. So yesterday we had our, our regular Wednesday morning Board of County Commissioners meeting. The previous week, Commissioner Calvi had put an item on our agenda to give all of our remaining CARES funds to the county jail. And CARES funds are the funds that every city and county received uh, to respond to COVID. And then his, his item on the agenda would be to move all those funds over to the jail trust. So it was on the agenda last week. I spoke up and kind of pitched a fit and said, this hasn't gone through the right processes. The budget board hasn't approved this. You can't do this. So it was sent back to budget board last week and those of you listening might have seen the loop playing on the news of me storming out of our budget board meeting because I was so upset by what was going on. So the budget board ultimately approved it. So yesterday was when we took our very final vote on moving these funds to the jail trust. And at the last minute, Commissioner Calvi actually changed the item to be $34 million, which I didn't catch that. The reason why I didn't catch it was because they started the meeting without me. Um, I walked in, and I confirmed this with multiple people, I walked in at 9.01, and it's very typical for, uh, I mean, we've waited on Commissioner Calvi, we've waited on Commissioner, we've all waited on each other, it's not a big deal at all. And not only did they not wait on me, they didn't do the Pledge of Allegiance or the prayer, and they jumped to the item, which was item number 20 or 21. So it was very obvious that they wanted to vote and get through it as quickly as possible. My chief was sitting in for me, which you mm -hmm. can do, and he tried to slow it down and ask questions and they uh, they wouldn't even listen to him. Yeah. And of course, there was lots of people there who were yelling and screaming and saying, what are you doing? Slow down, Commissioner Bloomer's not here. This is, this is so awful. And so then when I walked in, I had no idea that they had even voted on moving the money. Um, so it, it the 34 million got approved and it's going to be moved over to the jail trust so now it's our job to hold the jail trust accountable for how they spend this money yeah and so this is a story that's kind of it's i mean it's kind of a complicated story with different facets yeah. but, it, but it, we're really talking about the county jail yes. so be, before we we get any further uh, brianna you've written a lot about the oklahoma city or oklahoma county i think it's oklahoma county Det detention center is its official name but the county jail uh, you've written a lot about it including uh, recently 
um, about just the crisis that the jail is in? I mean, what is the state of the Oklahoma County Jail and why is this such a big issue right now? Well, the, the jail has been in bad shape for years. I don't think there's any dispute about that, but it's what the coronavirus has done, like with everything in our society, every uh, problem that our society has, um, it has made worse, including the Oklahoma County Jail. Um, it's severely understaffed, um, amplified more so by the coronavirus. Um, it is overcrowded, which, and that problem has also been amplified by the coronavirus. The um, Department of Corrections stopped picking up prisoners for a long time. Uh, they had halted jury trials in Oklahoma County for a while. And a few weeks ago, that place was bursting with, at the steams and um, had, you know, very, very limited staff. And now you've got uh, the coronavirus making its way into the jail. There's um, over 200 people over the past five months who have tested positive at the jail for the coronavirus. And we've had two deaths of people at the jail who have tested positive for the virus. Yeah, and you've you've written before that I mean the problems stem from almost day one of the jail. I mean it's poorly designed. You know we're in a state that has some of the highest incarceration rates, and we're in the largest county, so you've got a mass incarceration cycle going on as well. But Commissioner Bloomer, I want to ask you. So we can agree that the jail has problems, and there's a lot of need for that. In fact, we've seen those protests. You know, in recent days. Uh, protesters who have gone to the jail trust, which is now responsible. So the responsibility of the jail shifted from the county sheriff to this jail trust. So do they not need the money then if, if this is such a big crisis right now? I was always very supportive of giving them a pretty decent chunk of the CARES money because if they need to buy more PPE, if they need to hire more staff to do testing, if they things that are related to COVID... I was supportive of even giving them up to $10 million, which was a pretty sizable amount in my opinion, but certainly not $34 million. And remember, they have to spend it by December 30th. I don't know how they're going to spend that much money by December 30th. And they have to be able to account for, um, for the fact that it was spent on COVID-related things. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what they do. And I'm asking you here to speculate a little bit, so choose to do it if, if you want to. But wh- why, the, why the effort to put so, money, so much of this money towards the county jail, do you think? So it is not a secret that this effort to move this money to the jail trust was spearheaded by Commissioner Calvi, who's one of our other county commissioners. He is also, he sits on the jail trust. In our trust indenture, one county commissioner gets to sit on the trust. And he is that commissioner. And so my only guess is that he has things going on behind the scenes. I don't know. There, he, there are a lot of conversations I'm not involved in. But he, he very much was the one that spearheaded this, even to the um, going against all these people showing up, speaking out against it, even the trust members saying, we didn't ask for this. We didn't ask for this money. And he was the one that has been leading it. Even the day that the budget board considered this item, he spoke to it, and then another trustee came and spoke to it. Well, two members of a nine-member board without an official ask from that trust doesn't constitute an official ask. Uh, So just to put it on the record, the jail trust never made an official ask for this money. 
Yeah. And so we're talking about the jail trust, which is now responsible for the jail. Uh, Brianna, in your recent story, you kind of wrote about this transition, and it hasn't necessarily been a smooth transition from the from the sheriff to the jail trust, right? I don't think anyone would call it a smooth transition. <laughs> Um, and of course, corona, I mean, coronavirus yeah, is complicated, but but I don't know. It just you, you kind of read between the lines. Even if we weren't in the middle of a pandemic, I don't think it would be all. Uh, you know, I don't think it would still be a smooth transition. So there's a lot of friction um, between the jail trust and our sheriff, uh, PD Taylor. Uh, he, um, you know, it's been friction from day one. Um, he has a very volatile relationship with um, Commissioner Kevin Calvey. And the, the jail trust was not, I don't think, I don't think uh, anyone would say that the jail trust was ready to take over the jail on July 1. I think, I think anyone would agree to that on any side. Um, the jail trust doesn't even have a website. They don't have um, adequate functioning vehicles to transport inmates to doctor's appointments and things like this. And, you know, in the middle of COVID, they don't have enough functioning vehicles. And I've even heard um, one trustee told me that uh, detention officers were taking uh, jail inmates to uh, doctor's appointments at OU Medical Center in their own vehicles because they didn't have um, functioning vehicles. Um, and they didn't have enough employees because the sheriff's office stopped uh, training academies. There wasn't a training academy the last month that the sheriff's office was there. And, and then you have employees dropping like flies because they've tested positive for COVID or they've been exposed to someone else who has it and they have to be quarantined. And it's really become a crisis situation. Yeah. And so, you know, this decision to, to establish the jail trust was something that commissioners approved. Remind us, uh, Commissioner Bloomer, where were you on this matter? So when the idea of creating a jail, well, let me back up. Before I got elected, there was already talk inside the county of creating a trust. Now you can create a Title 19 trust or a Title 60 trust. It just depends on how much authority you want that trust to have over the operations, the finances, the hiring, firing, all of that. So when I came on board, the talks really started happening. Criminal Justice Advisory Council got involved, Chamber got involved. And I, from my recollection, Commissioner Calvey was also kind of the one pushing it. Like you said, Brianna, the sheriff and Commissioner Calvey don't have a good relationship. And so it seemed that Commissioner Calvey wanted the sheriff out of the jail. So there were, again, Commissioner Covey tried to push it through very quickly, and I worked very hard to slow down that vote on a trust because we needed more information. We needed to figure out how this was going to work. We finally voted on it in May of 2019, and then the jail trust started meeting, I think, in early July of 2019. So I voted yes. I voted yes because I felt it was very important to make the jail be run by someone who is not law enforcement. Um, we do sheriffs a disservice by expecting them to run a 600,000 square foot facility with two th almost 2,000 people. I mean, it's a high need, high level hotel with mental health services where you have to take people to and from court and to and from doctor's appointments and the hospital and have them meet, see their attorney and 
sheriffs, that's not their background. And so that was what ultimately made me vote yes for it was we need a professional administrator to run this building. And having nine a nine-member board of trustees, it's more eyes on your tax dollars. It's more eyes on how is this building actually running. Um, but you're right; it's been a it's been a bit of a rocky start. So, what's the is it? Do you put that squarely on just because we are in the middle of a pandemic, or what can be what can we be doing better uh, to to get the the jail trust and the the new administrator have a have a better grasp of of this facility? I, so Greg Williams is the new administrator, and he is wonderful. He is extremely qualified to do this job, but when you are so understaffed, it's hard to run a building well. So it, in my opinion, one of his first two things should be staffing up and building a culture among his staff of um, just a better culture, a better work culture, and then controlling COVID. Um, so he... We have at the county, um, so just to kind of give everyone a background, the jail trust is funded at the beginning of the year. They received um, $30 million for their for their funding. I don't know if, I don't believe that they received it all at once, but that is their budget for the year. They can come back for what we call September supplement, September supplement, I think is what it's called, and basically ask for changes, ask for more money. And so they actually have in their September uh, supplement money for new vehicles. Um, they're asking for funds for new vehicles. So they're getting a handle on it. It's just with COVID, with being understaffed, with po- the politics of when your sh- when your sheriff's department isn't very excited about handing this over, it just creates problems. Yeah. And Brianna, when I think about the jail, I kind of think about, like, I kind of compare it to a school, and I hate to compare, compare a jail to a school, but I'll tell you why what the analogy I'm thinking is that because a lot of times when we look at a school, uh, you know, especially if it's in a high poverty area, you know, these, these schools have a lot of challenges and, and sometimes, you know, part of it is the facility, right? And you can build a brand new facility and you can have great teachers, but you know, that can only go so far, right? I mean, if you're not kind of handling the systemic societal issues around the the school, you're only going to be able to do so much. That doesn't mean that, you know, building brand new schools and having new technology and, and great teachers doesn't have an impact. It does. But I think about that for the jail. I mean, I think a lot of people would say that maybe we do need a new jail. And what does that look like? Maybe we can ask Commissioner Bloomer here in a second. But, I mean, the facility could be top-notch. You, It could be adequately staffed. But we this is still a state that is, you know, has high incarceration rates. I mean, people are still being brought to the jail. Uh, again and again, there's a high, uh, there's a crisis of mental health services in this community and across the state. I mean, this is a pretty complicated problem when we're talking about, quote unquote, how do you fix the jail, right? Yeah, I mean, ultimately, we, we have to stop uh, locking up so many people. And that goes down to, um, you know, bail reform, uh, getting judges on board, getting your DA's office on board. Um, also, you know, we live in a state where, um, what was it? 2016, that state question, um, was it? Was 780 it? and 781. State question 780 and 781. I always get the numbers mixed up, uh, passed. And we were, and Oklahoma was supposed to, you know, uh, stop prosecuting so aggressively property crimes and drug offenses. 
And the savings from that for locking up fewer people in prison was go, was supposed to go to mental health services and be passed on to the communities to address some of the addiction and mental health crisis in the state. And that so far has not been done. That And I don't think we're going to get any of that money for a long time because now we're um, the state is going to be in a budget crisis this next year because of the coronavirus. And, uh, yeah, we need, we need to lo- stop locking up people who um, have addiction and mental health problems. Um, you know, maybe the jail isn't the best place for those people. Yeah, and it makes me think about, you know, Commissioner, you, know, you were wanting to see some of this, this relief funds go to some other areas. Mm-hmm and not advocating for this for one way or another, but you can see maybe the rationale in saying, hey, if we can provide some eviction relief or some other support, I mean, that there's a domino effect, right? As, as poverty increases, as, as people have unstable housing situations, crime goes up, uh, mental health issues go up. And so it does kind of play into the jail. But when you think about this facility moving forward, where would you like to be five years from now or 10 years from now when it comes to the Oklahoma County Jail? Five years from now, that is 2025, I would love for us to be in the process of building a new facility, uh, if not already having one built. But you make a very good point. I think explaining your comparison to school is a really good point that we can build a brand new building, we can staff up and still have an internal broken system that, that doesn't run the facility properly and doesn't treat people properly. Uh, if you all ever get a chance to talk to Greg Williams, he, the new administrator, he, his outlook on how to treat the detainees in the jail is so different from anyone who's ever run that facility. I mean, he is detainee first. How do we meet your needs while you're here? It is not my job to decide if you're innocent or guilty. That's the court's job. I just don't think Greg has had the chance to actually fulfill that mission yet because things have been really out of control with COVID. Uh, But yeah, in the next five to 10 years, new facility, I would love us to be completely staffed up so we can no longer say we're understaffed. And I would love for law enforcement agencies to start using more site and release and for us to have reformed cash bail so that less people are being brought to the facility and people are not having to pay for their freedom. It's interesting you talk about uh, uh, Director Williams' kind of approach to Taney first, and um, and that'd, that'd be interesting to learn because I don't I don't know much about some of the things that you're talking about. But there is a there is a level of kind of like humanity that needs to be a part of this, right? Because you know we've all you know seen the television show Cops, and they're all like you know the people are presumed innocent until proven guilty, and then of course they make it look like they are guilty. Yeah. But but everyone, I mean, this is a jail, not a prison, right? So these people have not been sentenced. Um, are convicted, uh, many are awaiting trial, um, and and many will go free because, and that many will be declared innocent, or, or there'll be some kind of plea. So, you know, we are taking. I mean, some we're taking people who are innocent, but innocent or guilty. I mean, you're still the care of people is entrusted to the county, and right now that's falling short. Yes. yes. Uh, there's been a lot of. I mean the. Reporters love to write about the jail. <laughs> There's it has it's like it's gotten its fair amount of press, but yes, Greg sees these detainees as they're just people who might have been in a bad spot, might have been with the wrong crowd, and I'm here to help them become a better version of themselves. And when they leave, 
hopefully they are in a better place than when they came in. And I, hopefully I never see them again. Um, he has said that to me before. So, and then Trisha Everest is our chairwoman of the trust. And um, this week is the last two weeks for the commission and for the trust, I think it's just been very overwhelming. So I think she, she has a lot on our plate and uh, I hope that, that she can stay in that position and, and help make some changes at the jail. Yeah. Well, and, and you know, we, we carry the analogy a little bit further about schools and, and jails, but one, one area that, that it breaks down is in funding because, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we can argue about whether or not voters are investing in schools appropriately, but people are probably more likely to want to invest tax dollars into schools yes. than they are into a jail. So you talk about wanting to have a new facility. Where does that money come from? So the current facility was built with a temporary one cent sales tax in the late 80s, early 90s. It was temporary because the commissioners and the sheriff at the time thought that they could build revenue streams off of contracting out beds to DOC or to other communities that needed us to house their detainees. I'm sure if ICE existed then, they would have contracted with ICE. I don't think ICE existed then, though. And so that was a that was pretty short-sighted because you're building a facility based on the assumption that you're going to fill it up and you're going to make money off of filling it up and fund its operations off of filling it up. Wouldn't, wouldn't we want to incentivize you to keep the numbers as low as possible? So the, the easy answer that everyone thinks of is a sales tax. Do it like you did in 1991, 1990 but keep it a permanent sales tax so you can pay for operations. Now, obviously, when you look at MAPS, the MAPS program, very successful, very good branding. They have a very, the, the MAPS program has a very good community. Uh, the community is bought into it. It's a little harder to do that with a jail. Yeah, no <laughs> so, MAPS for jail. Yeah, the slogan doesn't sound really great. MAPS for jail. I think if we were to go to some type of public vote to fund a new facility or to fund a portion of a new facility, we would really need to ensure the taxpayer that their money was going to um, a more humane facility. And I don't know what that, how that would work, what types, of, uh, what types of safeguards we would put in place to make sure that that happens. But in this climate, I highly doubt that the voters are going to vote for a, sale, a, a permanent sales tax to fund the jail. And this is a more complicated issue in a state like Oklahoma because that sales tax is so coveted, right? I mean, yes. the cities rely exclusively on sales tax. MAPS is already on top of the city's regular sales tax. I'm sure the chamber and other interested parties may say, hey, maybe we wouldn't want to like use up our capital with sales tax for a right. jail. That We right. might want to build a new arena someday or do or some other thing or regional transit system. Um, so there's probably, when you talk about how to fund a jail, all of a sudden there's a lot of interested parties in this. Yes, and with a trust, another good side to having a trust is that they have bonding capacity. They can do things that a board of county commissioners cannot. So the trust has the option to go out for bonds for a new building, but that doesn't fund your operations. And I think that's the big question right now is how would we fund operations of a new building? Yeah. Well, if you're talking about maps, I mean, that's a perfect example of you build it and then without the funding of the operations existing, and then you just kind of figure it out as you go, right? That's very true. Yeah. 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 So um, as we wrap up here, I mean, Brianna, I mean, what what are you going to be watching as you continue to you know follow just the storyline of this jail and you know the, the turmoil on the county commission among the county commissioners and the trust and and where do we go from here? Well, I think 
number one, I want to know how the jail trust is going to spend this money and, and what their plans are for it. You know, much of that hasn't been uh, revealed to the public. And the other thing that I want to know more about is why is the jail so full in the middle of a pandemic and why we have people who are over the age of 65 who are dying in um, county custody. Yeah, an important storyline to follow. We know you'll you'll be on top of it. So, hey, Commissioner Bloomer, thanks so much for your time. I know it's been been a long week, so we appreciate you uh, um, extending a little bit to come talk to us. Thank you. I appreciate that. And one of the nice things about all of this crazy stuff that's going on in our meetings is it's causing people to pay attention and it's causing people to email and call and show up at meetings and put pressure on the county elected officials. Um, I don't even know if putting pressure is the right word. Showing up and using their voice as a citizen because it's our job as elected officials to spend your tax dollars wisely. And if you don't think we're doing that, then, then speak up. And that's what people have done this week. That's going to do it for this week's episode of Listen Frontier. You can find all our episodes on the Listen Frontier podcast feed, where you can also subscribe and get the latest episodes as they're published. For The Frontier, I'm Ben Felder. Thanks for joining us. I'll be back with you next week.